As always, I'm your host, Ramiz, and I am joined by my co-host, Dylan. How are you? I'm good, Ramiz. I'm excited for this one. It's going to be a big one. Yeah, it is a big one. A very big one for me, especially. I feel like I put more and more work into these every time I do them, and this one was ridiculous. So yes, we are here for another Stat Stuffers study. This time, it is how to be an NBA All-Star. To give you guys uh, an idea of how much work I put into this, I manually entered 1,500 data points into a spreadsheet. So... Yeah, and that was the first half. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so in today's episode, I will be breaking down, like usual, uh, my methodology for this study, my sampling, uh, some of the results, and then we'll have a discussion using some case studies. Uh, like usual, Dylan has not heard any of this. He hasn't seen or read any of this. He's along for the ride. He'll push back on some things. He might give me a few questions, and you know, we'll, we'll make it a little bit more, more robust with Dylan. He did help, however, in giving me some of these case studies, uh, so... Uh, he didn't do nothing this time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I put in 30 points of data, I think, uh, as opposed to oh, no, it'd be way, It would be way more. It, it's way more than 30. What are you talking about? <laughs> My one? Oh, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you did. You did all the numbers for like 20-something different guys. You probably put in a couple hundred. Oh, well, go me. <laughs> okay, go you. Yes. All right, so how to be an NBA All-Star? It's an interesting question. Just like, you know, we see it every year. Who who deserves to be in? Who doesn't? Is there a correlation? Do we look at previous, like, is there previous kind of comparisons to these kinds of guys? You know what really interested me about this one? There actually is. There's a lot of similarity year by year. Like, it, like, it is statistically so much easier to figure out who should be an all-star than it should be. Um so what you're saying is we shouldn't have fan voting at all. We should just no, go by the criteria. We just need to go by the criteria. So what I did for every single guy, firstly, I'll talk about my sampling. Um, sample size this time was a little bit weird because obviously it's a lot of data points. I basically just had to pick an arbitrary year. Uh, the year I decided to go with was 2016. So the 2017, 18, 19, and 20 All-Star Games. Every single guy that was selected to all of those All-Star Games, uh, year by year, with all these data points that I'm about to run you through, they are the guys we're looking, we're looking at. The, the reason I went with that year specifically is that's when fan voting changed. Uh, to be, instead of just pure fan vote for the starters, 50% fan vote, 50, uh, 25 media, 25... Uh, what's the, what's the other 25? Players, that's right. Um, yeah. And that will be important a little, it'll be a little bit important later, not too important. So what I did was I gathered every single guy, uh, so our starters, our reserves, our injury replacements, the legacy players, which is just D-Wade and uh, Dirk for that one year, and then our snubs. So that's where, snubs is where um, that fair voting comes into play a little bit. So I didn't have a specific criteria for who's a snub, but it was kind of like, did this guy get a fair few votes as a starter? And then did he not make the All-Star game at all? So if he was like the sixth place guard in the West, uh, in terms of starting votes, but didn't make the All-Star game at all, then he's a stub, sort of thing. If his, yeah, stats, if his stats line up. Like sometimes everyone that kind of deserved to be an All-Star did just end up in there. Like there was times where, you know, the sixth or seventh place guy would be like uh, DeAndre Jordan or something. And then he wasn't a stub, obviously. Uh, 
But yeah, for each of those guys, I gathered uh, their name, the year they were selected. So obviously different years. For di- if the same guy appeared in multiple years, he has a different row for that. Uh, their conference, their status, so legacy, replacement, reserve, starter, or snub. Uh, their position, so either backcourt or frontcourt. Number of previous selections. Number of other All-Stars from his team. Team wins, team losses at the time of the All-Star break. Their win percentage. His uh, games played, points per game, rebounds per game, assists per game, steals per game, and blocks per game as of that time. And that is what I manually entered for all of these uh, 200 and... No, sorry, 127 guys. I mean, you can't. people can't say that you didn't work for this remains. You put it no, in the No, yeah, they cannot say that. <laughs> so, ultimately what I did, this is actually really, really simple. In terms of results, this is really simple. I'm going to be taking you through the averages and standard deviation of each of these kinds of positions here. So, a starting backcourt player, on average, has made 3.3 other All-Star games. So, I won't take you through those. I'll mostly just go through the points, rebounds, assists. I just think that one's a little bit interesting. So, uh, 3.3 other All-Star games, uh, in general, have 0.9 other All-Stars on their team, but there is a standard deviation of literally one. So, the standard deviation is actually higher than the number itself. So, that's actually a really unimportant data point. Like, number of other All-Star teams, number of other All-Stars on the team doesn't really matter that much. Um, Games played, uh, sorry, wins, losses, uh, sorry, 36 wins, 20 losses as of at the time of the All-Star game, 64% winning percentage in general. They generally will have played 51 games, average, now this is crazy, 27.45 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, 6.6 assists, 1.3 steals, and 0.4 blocks. So that's just a starting backcourt. I've then broken that down further into West and East. So a Western Conference starting backcourt player, which is pretty much just Steph, James Harden, and also Luca last year, averages 30.4 points, 6.3 rebounds, 7.8 assists, 1.5 steals, and 0.5 blocks, roughly. That's nuts. Yeah. An Eastern Conference uh, starting guard, 24.9 points, 4.2 rebounds, 5.6 assists, 1.2 steals, and 0.3 blocks. Much, much lower in scoring there. Um, yeah, so 24 versus 30. Yeah, well, that is a huge difference, but you're right. Over the, Since 16, it is just Curry and Harden, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah. So a starting front court player averages about 26.3 points, 9.3 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.3 steals, and 1.3 blocks. Um, and that's pretty much the same both East and West. There's not a lot of variance between the two of them. Um. A reserve backcourt player averages about 22 points, 5.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists, 1.4 steals, and 0.4 blocks. Um, a western backcourt will average 24, 6, and 6. An eastern backcourt will average 25 and 7. Um, I think that kind of varies a little bit because, like, you had some smaller guards in the east, um, especially. In terms of, like, yep. a Kemper Walker, Kyrie Irving, those kinds of guys who don't average as many rebounds, so that's kind of what brings that average down a bit. But the assists are up, which is a little bit sh- surprising to me. Like, Eastern Reserve Backcourt All-Stars average more than Western Reserve Backcourt All-Stars in terms of assists. Yeah, that is a little bit strange. Um, I'm not trying to think of where that would be coming from in terms of players, um, but I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, we won't, because I don't know either, really. I, I can't oh, really okay. find it, but yeah. Now, uh, a reserve front court. Now, this one's a bit interesting. 
in that it's actually quite low. So and uh and a reserve front court player will average nineteen point eight points, uh 9.2 rebounds, 3.9 assists, one steal and one block is pretty much the same between East and West again there. Um they're both averaging just under twenty points per game, which is actually surprising. Yeah, um I guess this is where like specialty guys sort of get their shot like Draymond and Gobert and stuff like that, so that is interesting. Yeah. So a snub or a, a snub or an injury replacement, just because injury replacements are kind of snubs anyway, um, will average about 22... So in the backcourt, will average about 22 points, 4.6 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 0.3 blocks. Um, yeah, it doesn't vary a whole lot between East and West there. Uh, and then a snub slash replacement uh, in the front court will average... Only 18.3 points, 9 rebounds, 3.4 assists, 1 steal, and 1 block. Yeah, and again, doesn't vary that much between East and West there. So, the lowest scoring by far is Eastern Conference uh, front court snubs, less than 19 points per game. Yeah, um, what what sort of difference is in the, in the records between snubs and guys that actually make the All-Star team? That is I a wonder. very, that is a very good question, because that is exactly kind of what affects a lot of this stuff. Eastern, uh, sorry, front court, weirdly not a lot. Front court players generally have a 54 win percentage compared to uh, a reserve who has a, sorry, a starter who has 64 and then a reserve who has 60. So there's 6% difference there. The backcourt, however, very, very different. Uh, a backcourt uh, snub only has a 44 win percentage generally compared to about a 60 for a reserve and a 64 for a starter. Right. So, yeah, it's big big for the guards, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. So, wins, very, very important. Um, in terms of... St- so, the reason I went with standard deviation with a few of these is that'll help us in terms of figuring out which guys actually deserve to be all-stars in terms of figuring out averages. So, one really key point that I just want to make clear before we go into our case studies is generally, if a guy's borderline, like, in terms of... Things like wins, uh, number of games played. Right, a guy needs to have generally played about 75% of his team's games. That's not too surprising, though. Um, But yeah, in terms of, like, wins, games played, he needs to really, like, be above average in terms of stats. He can't just be an average all-star in terms of stats. He needs to be, like, significantly above average in terms of stats. Uh, So that's actually where a lot of eliminations came from. So what we did here was, Dylan, you sent me a list of pretty much every single borderline all-star this year. I only asked you for like seven or eight. You just gave me all of them. (laughs) I mean, every single one I could think of, yeah. Yeah, and you gave me, there's only one that you didn't put on, but we will get to him later. That was very interesting. It was interesting that you didn't have him there. I was very surprised by that. But um, yeah, so I'm going to be taking you through each of these uh, all stars, all borderline all star guys, and telling you whether a guy deserves to make the team based on the data we have, and this is also just a good way of kind of representing some of the more new, like some of the nuances in the data, just because you know anyone can come up with like the averages of all these kinds of guys, but it's about actually reading into it and really figuring out okay which ones are important, which data points here are actually important, which ones aren't, because a lot of the time, you know, number of steals per game usually won't be, usually won't affect. Uh, whether a guy makes it or not. Number of previous All-Star games can have an impact, usually doesn't, though. Um, so, yeah, this would just be a good way to kind of represent the data. 
But before we get to that, do you have any questions, Dylan, of anything we've covered so far? So far, no. I'm excited to get into this reviews. Okay, so let's start first with the 76ers. So um, I did update... I've kind of updated these stats today, so you sent me this stuff uh, 10 days ago now, so obviously a lot of these stats were a little bit out of date. I vaguely updated them. Like, I didn't update them if they're relatively close, so uh, apologies if some of these are a little bit off, but it shouldn't matter too much. So... There are two borderline All-Stars on the Sixers. Obviously, Joel Embiid will make it. There's no question about that. Uh, so your two borderline All-Stars are Ben Simmons, who is averaging about 14, 8, 8, and 2, two steals and 1 block. And then Tobias Harris, who is uh, Tobias Harris, who is averaging about 20 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. They have an 18-10 record. They've both played 24 games. Ben Simmons has made two previous All-Star games. Tobias Harris has not made any. So... The Sixers have about a 65 win percentage. And at that level, teams generally have two All-Stars, especially if one is a starter. Sometimes at 65, you will only have one, but that's usually because that one is already a reserve and you, their team doesn't really earn a second reserve. But when a, starting, a starting spot is kind of like almost a separate thing in that, you know, it doesn't take away from a reserve, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's sort of like, just because he's a starter doesn't mean we shouldn't put another one in the reserves, but two reserves seems like a bit of a stretch. Yeah, and that's what tends to happen. So, three or four All-Stars is generally for much higher win percentages in like the mid-70s and above, and that only t- it only tends to happen where a team at around this win percentage uh, has three All-Stars when two of them are starters. So, Kyrie Irving and... Uh, LeBron James, obviously with Kevin Love being their third, and then Stephen KD with Clay Thompson, and at times Draymond Green uh, being their third and fourth. So only one of Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris will make it, unless one of them ends up starting, which obviously won't happen. So between the two, the number of all-star teams made doesn't matter here. Like, we've seen snubs in the past, like Eric Bledsoe, uh, who hadn't made an all-star team before, and we've also seen Chris Paul, who made a lot of all-star teams before. So number of all-star games doesn't matter. Um, so it really just does come down to counting stats. So an Eastern Reserve backcourt player in the past has averaged about 20 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, with a standard deviation on points of about 4. So Ben Simmons is pretty below average in points. He's, like, like well below even the standard deviation there. So, like like I said, average is 20. Ben Simmons is averaging about 14. He's low, but he's well above average in terms of rebounds and assists. Tobias Harris is in the right realm when it comes to points, rebounds, steals, and blocks, but he's held back a bit by assists. So, um, yeah, a front court player would generally average like five assists, sort of thing, versus Tobias Harris, who's averaging about three. Um, so ultimately, the numbers here are a little bit inconclusive. I could see either one make it, but I think of the two, Ben Simmons is the one who will actually make it or actually deserves to make it above the other, just because he's above average in everything except scoring, if that makes sense. Yeah, because he's yeah he's got more above average stats than Harris, who sort of fits the mold a bit more. Um, Simmons is a bit more, I don't know, he doesn't fit the mold exactly, but he's still above average in a lot of things. So yeah, if I had to pick between the two, I'd pick Simmons as well. Yeah, so like Tobias Harris is just very, very average, whereas Ben Simmons obviously suffers in the points, but is very, very above average. So no, very, very average for an all-star, which is still very good. Like, 
Yeah, but I feel like we've heard that all of Harris's career. <laughs> He's just a very solid player. But, like, yeah, if they had, like, a 75 to 80 win percentage, then, yeah, Tobias Harris would be an all-star, without question. Yeah, I think I think so, too. Um, yeah, because I kind of forgot that KD was on the Warriors, not going to lie, but um, when you said, like, teams getting three all-stars, I immediately think of Steph, Clay, and Draymond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Making that three, so but that that might have been the year they went seventy two and ten, so that makes sense. Seventy three nine, yeah. But oh yeah, and, sorry, yeah, and that and that you didn't fall into our data points here um, either. Yep. Um. All right. So the box is is our next team. They are pretty similar to the Sixers. They have a fifty nine win percentage, which usually means they can have two all stars. They don't always have two all stars. They can, but they very likely won't have three. But Unlike the Sixers, this one is way, way easier. Drew Holiday is just below average in every stat, essentially, uh, when it comes to being an all-star. Like, 16-5-5 and two steals. Like, the two steals, I'm pretty sure, is above average, but everything else is just kind of average or below average. Whereas Chris Middleton is average or above average in pretty much everything. So, 26-6. The rebounds are... Actually, I think the rebounds are a little bit below average, but the assists are a bit above average. So that works out and it really just doesn't make any sense for Drew Holiday to be in the conversation above Chris Middleton. Yeah. And, I'm, and if we took shooting percentages into account, hit Chris Middleton be way above average on that too. So yeah. Yeah. All right. The paces. Now this is a weird one. So actually you didn't include Demarcus Sabonis in here. I mean, was that because you thought he was a lock at the time you made this? At the time I, I assumed he was a lock. Yeah. Okay. But uh, if, you you heard, have... if you heard our last episode, I left him off my all-star balance. So. Yeah, you've changed. that's why I added him here. It seems yep. like you've changed your mind a little bit. So th- this is a weird one because they're 500, which is usually good for one all-star if they're like playing like an all-star. So it becomes a question of like which guy gets the nod. I think they deserve one all-star, but which of the four guys you've got listed here between Demarcus Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, and Karis LeVert are the guy. It is the guy. So obviously... A guy needs to have played about 75% of his games. Karis LeVert is immediately out. He just hasn't played enough. Um, Turner has been fine, but not all-star material. Obviously, his blocks are pretty insane uh, at 3.5. I think it was like 3.5 per game or something like that. Uh, But in terms of points, rebounds, and assists, he's well below average. Rebound? Like, I'm always so shocked that Miles Turner is just not a good rebounder or just doesn't get good rebounding numbers. Yeah, it is very strange. Like... I, it's sort of weird. I'd, I'd switch, like, in my head, Turner's a better rebounder than Sabonis, but it's just completely not true in, yeah. action, in like, in real life, yeah. Yeah. So the average... Uh, so now we're kind of down to either Brogdon or Sabonis, which everyone knows anyway. Um, the average Eastern backcourt reserve puts up about 20 points for him, about seven assists, one and a half steals, which is pretty much exactly what Malcolm Brogdon is averaging, 22-4-7, one and a half. So he's actually a little bit above average in terms of scoring, and he's just average... Uh, in terms of all the other stuff. So, he makes a very, very, very strong case there. Sabonis, however, a frontcourt player needs to average about 20 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal. Sabonis is averaging about 21, 11 and a half rebounds, 5 and a half assists, 1 steal. Um, so, in that case, Sabonis is well above average in terms of rebounds and assists. Hence why I think Sabonis gets the nod, uh, gets the nod over Brogdon just because he's above average in more stats. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty... If anyone was going to pick a pacer, I think most people would pick some bonus, so yeah. Yes, but it is very, very tight. Like, if the pacers were 
like three games over 500, then you're definitely talking about both of those guys making it. Yeah. All right. Now we're on the Hawks. Um, see, this is an interesting example because the Hawks have a losing record. In the past four years, there has not been a single team that had a losing record and two All-Stars. It just doesn't happen. So, Trey Young's going to make it. Therefore, John Collins and Clint Capella just won't. It, that's just it. That's all That's that's all there is to it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, Andre Drummond is actually probably your best example of this. He put up 17 and 15 a couple years ago uh, with a actually a better winning percentage than this current Hawks team, uh, but didn't make it because uh, the Pistons were still a losing record and Blake Griffin made it. That's just how it goes. You can put up crazy numbers at 17 and 15, which would be good for an all-star position uh, if your team was decent, but not when you've got another all-star and a losing record. So John Collins and Clint Capella aren't even close. And, like, they weren't close anyway. John Collins, 17, uh, 18 points, 8 rebounds. Uh, Clint Capella, 13. 14 and a half rebounds is really good, but, like, 13 points is just not enough. Yeah. No, I just sort of threw them in there. I... Yeah, my list of picking my sorry, my approach at picking these um, snubs, borderline guys, whatever you want to call them, was just sort of go team by team and put up and just like I put in guys that I think put up relatively all star level sort of you know, numbers. Yeah, pretty much. No, I mean that's fair. Like you, you generally yeah. went with like the second and third best guys on most teams if if the third yeah. best guy was applicable. Yeah, and I think that's kind of exactly who you should be looking at, really. Um. Now, this is the next one. This is the weird one. Uh, the Raptors. You didn't include Siakam. Was that because you thought he was a lock, or you just forgot he existed? Uh, I just forgot he existed, not going to lie. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I put here that, uh, you know, other All-Stars on team, in quotes. Potential All-Stars is what I was referring to. And I put two there, uh, obviously, Lowry and Van Fleet. And, yeah, I just sort of didn't consider Siakam. He wasn't really uh, an option for me, I guess. Yeah. Okay, but... He is an option for me. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So, but I don't think any Raptors make it. And I don't think any Raptors deserve to make it. So they have a 45-ish win percentage. With that, you need to be putting up really good numbers. Like any one of these guys, if any one of these guys was like decently above average, 100% in, but none of them are. So, uh, um, so Siakam's numbers are pretty much just average. So at Eastern Conference, a reserve Front court player needs to average about 19 points, eight and a half rebounds, three and a half assists, one steal, one block. Siakam's averaging 19, seven and a half, four and a half, one steal, half a block. He's just average. Like, he's just pretty much, like, bang on average. And that's just not enough to make it uh, when you're on a losing team. Um, You really do kind of need, in this kind of position, if Pascal Siakam was averaging, like, 22 or 23 points per game, then you're in, like then you could seriously consider it, but just 19 points is just not enough. Um, so the only guy to have actually made it from my data points that was just kind of average was actually Vooch. Uh, but even then, he put up 20, 12, and 4. So this was a couple years ago. So his team was obviously a little bit worse than the Raptors, but he still made it because he was putting up decent numbers. But like he's kind of just an absolute outlier in terms of just average team, average numbers, yet still making yeah. an all-star team. Um, yeah, Larry and Fred VanVleet are both also just kind of average, and that's that's all there is to it, really. Like, 18, 6, and 7 for Larry, which is good. Do not get me wrong, that is very good. Um, and then 24 and 6 for Fred VanVleet. Um, 
but yeah, they both kind of fall around the average, maybe a tiny bit above in some categories, a little bit below it at others, and that's just not enough when you have a losing record. Yeah, I wonder if, I don't know if you could check, does previous All-Stars influence uh, selections if you're on a losing team? Because I'm just looking at Larry's six All-Stars here, and obviously we, everyone knows that if you make an All-Star game, it's much easier to make it again rather than being a first-time pick. Um, I wonder if Lowry gets any sort of leeway with having lots of previous selections, or if there's any precedent for that in the history. I do actually like, have the any... answer for this, and the answer is no. There, yeah, right. Nothing. Yeah, I mean, yep. lose, losing record, everything goes out the window, really. It just comes down to raw numbers at that point. Right, that's interesting. All right, next team is the Knicks, and I'm sure you're going to love to hear these ones. So, you know what I said about, you know, great numbers, losing record, average kind of numbers, whatever. Julius yeah. Randle deserves to be an all-star. Yeah, he does. 23, 11, and 6 is so above average. It's so much above the average, and it is perfect in the range of a guy with this kind of a winning percentage. So, uh, the Knicks are just under 500. Like, you, just, he deserves it. He just straight up deserves it. <laughs> My boy, get him in there. Yep, so twenty nine and three is the average, and then uh, uh, Julius Randle is averaging twenty three, eleven and six. So three more points, two more rebounds, three more assists. Yeah, he's above average enough to where he deserves it, despite a losing record. Um, RJ Barrett, not even close. I don't even know why you put him here. Just because I love RJ. <laughs> all right, fair enough. Bel- below average numbers, and obviously, if he's the second All Star on a losing team, that doesn't exist. He's no, not a chance. Yep. Yep. <laughs> all right. The Cavs. This is a pretty easy one, actually. Unfortunately, though. Because they have a 31-35 win percentage. Unless either one of them gets a starting spot, neither of them deserve to make it. Um, they stand, like, literally a 0% chance uh, with their numbers. Um, but, so this is between Colin Sexton and Andrew Drummond. I should probably mention that. Uh, but if I were to decide between the two, this is what I've come up with. When it comes to a losing record, previous All-Star selections can be important only when it comes to veteran guys. So since Andre Drummond is a veteran guy and has made an All-Star game, that is fine for him, but it doesn't hurt Colin Sexton because he's not a veteran guy. Right, so Drummond's likely to make it over Sexton because of... Well, no, because it doesn't matter for Sexton. Oh, like, right. It, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's made a previous All-Star team or not because he's not a vet. Okay. So... Um, so does that mean Sexton's the pick here? Ah, let me keep going. So Sexton <laughs> is above average in scoring, but below average everywhere else. Drummond is well above average in rebounding, blocks, and steals, but below average in points and assists. Drummond has a very slight edge statistically when you actually go through the numbers, but what actually sets him apart from Sexton is games played. And it's not a lot, but Andre Drummond has played 25 of his team's 29 games. Colin Sexton has only played 23 of his team's 29 games. That's still enough to qualify for an all-star spot, but it's the slight difference in games played that just, just gives Andre Drummond the edge. Right, okay. That is... I mean, that makes sense, I guess. You know, when it sort of comes down to splitting hairs like that, the games played and stuff like that makes a difference. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from, like, an optics standpoint, you would definitely go Colin Sexton, like, of the two, but mm. based on the data, Andre Drummond is, would be more likely in his past. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, 
Now we've got the Hornets. Um, so once again, a losing record. Scary Terry's just out. Like his scoring is average, but his rebounds and assists are below average. He would need like his team would need like a sixty-ish win percentage for him to really be a consideration, and they're hovering around like forty something. Gordon Hayward is a very interesting case. So this is one of the most interesting cases in this study. So he's below average on the boards, but decently above average in scoring, which kind of makes up for that. And then he's pretty much average in everything else. Three years ago, Paul George made it with similar numbers and a 50 win percentage. Melo, however, that same year, only got in as an injury replacement. Therefore, he counts as a snub with a, with pretty much the same numbers, but only a 40 win percentage. Hayward has a 46 win percentage. So he is somewhere in between them. So he is somewhere between a snub and a reserve. And it's about finding which one he technically just drifts into. So he's, he's very much just in the middle. Like, he is definitely an all-star. If he was averaging one more point per game, or if his team had literally one more win, no question. At his current record, at his current averages, maybe. Like, he is the, he's maybe the most borderline guy here. And yeah, I don't right. have a definitive answer. I would say yes, gun to my head, yes. Like, he deserves it. He won't make it, but he deserves it. But yeah, it, he's so, so tight. I think that's sort of, like, that perfectly aligns with, like, everyone's all-star picks, too. Like, he's pretty much, he's very 50-50 down a lot of all-star ballots that I've heard about. So, that makes a lot of sense. And he's always that sort of wild-card court player. Yeah. By the way, his averages are 22 points per game. Five point five sorry, five and a half rebounds, about four assists, about one steal. Uh, now, the Magic, Vooch. Vooch is also another kind of interesting case because he got in a couple of years ago in a pretty similar situation to what he's in now. In fact, his scoring is actually up and his rebounds and assists have largely stayed the same. His blocks have dropped a, dropped a little bit, but that doesn't seem to matter that much. So, but what kind of hurts him here is he has a 36 win percentage and the only people with under a 40 win percentage to make an all-star team were Trey Young, who obviously got in as a starter, and Chris Porzingis. And Vooch, based on Paul Zingas' numbers, definitely deserves to get in. He has fewer blocks per game, but significantly more rebounds, um, assists, points, everything. Uh, slightly more points. But the thing with Paul Zingas is he is the biggest outlier of every single data point to the point where his data is meaningless. Uh, I think Paul Zingas' All-Star season was incredibly overrated and does not make any sense when it comes to this data. His stats on top of his winning percentage would mean he's not even close to being an All-Star. I don't know what was going on in the East that year, but he should not have been an All-Star. I think he just got a bump because obviously, you know, young, exciting guy in Madison Square Garden. But no, based on the numbers, Paul Zingas did not deserve to be an All-Star that season. And by extension, I'm saying Vooch doesn't this season either. Yeah, I mean, the East, I, I guess the East was bad that year. I kind of forgot Pilsinkas was an all-star, not going to lie. But, uh, I mean, that's how forgettable it was. But, yeah, I think the the good stats, bad bad team probably keeps Vooch off, which makes a lot of sense with what you're saying. Yeah. Like, if his team was, like, maybe three games better, then he's definitely, definitely in the conversation there. But 10 and 18 is just not good enough. Yeah. All right, the Bulls. Zach Levine is probably is one of the most fun ones here. 
So he only has a 42 winning percentage, but he clearly qualifies as well above average in terms of points, especially. However, to find a point of comparison, the only person we really need to look at is... Actually, do you want to take a guess as to who I'm going to mention here? Is it... Oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot. Is it Trey Young? (laughs) No, you're close. Close. Bradley Beal. Last year. Right. Of course. Of course. Last year, Bradley Beal averaged more points, one fewer rebound, one more assist, and similar steals and blocks with a slightly worse winning percentage. Obviously, so Trey Young is another point of comparison here, but he got in as a starter. That's different. However, that slightly worse winning percentage actually might make all the difference here. Beal had a 37 win percentage. Levine has a 42 win percentage. You know who else had a 42 win percentage and may have and had way worse numbers than uh, Zach Levine currently does? In 2017, Campbell Walker. And, and Devin Booker also got in with a slightly worse injury percentage, albeit as an injury replacement. But based on that, Zach Levine deserves to be an all-star this season. Yeah, he does. Get my boy in there. Zach Levine yep. is deserving, for sure. Yes, yes. It's the 28-5-5. and five. You know, if Bill didn't make it, you know, your first thought would be, okay, Levine doesn't make it, but his team is 5% better. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes. <laughs> yeah, literally. When it comes to this, that's what the, that's what the numbers say. All right. Uh, the Heat. You might not like this one. All right. Jimmy Butler just hasn't played enough games. That's that's just the fact of the matter for him. No question there. Um, it's weird because, like, obviously he was in the finals and he was such a key player, but no, he just he, he just hasn't played enough games to make an all-star team. That, that makes complete sense. Bam is debatable. But his stats are just a little bit too average. Um, so, you know, his... Points and his points and rebounds are pretty average. His assists are a little bit above average, actually a decent amount above average, but with an eleven and sixteen record right now, it's just not enough. I mean, I'll be honest, I completely agree. Uh, when we did our all star picks, I left both uh, Jimmy and Bam off, and yeah, I just feel like the team isn't good enough. And you know, Bam has been very, very good, but I don't think he's been amazing by any means. Yeah. All right, uh, and now our last Eastern Conference team in the Pistons, Jeremy Grant. Unfortunately, this one's actually really easy. There is just no precedent of guys with a winning percentage this bad even sniffing the All-Star game, except for Trey Young as a starter. So unless Jeremy Grant gets it as a starter, there's just no chance. Like, he would need to average... I would, If I were to put, like, an estimate on it, he would need to average, like, 38-8 and eight or something like that to even, you know, be, like, illegitimate consideration. Yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. The Pistons suck, so... Yeah, the Pistons <laughs> suck. They are 8-19 right now, so, yeah. No, no one with that kind of a winning percentage has sniffed the All-Star game in the last four years, and I would venture to say no one in years past has either. Yep. Okay, now we're on to the West, and I think we're going to start with the most interesting one here in the Jazz. The Jazz have an 82 winning percentage, meaning Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, without question, are absolute locks. At this winning percentage, you can have three All-Stars on a team, like, pretty much without question, but the Bucs had an 85 winning percentage at the All-Star break last year, and they only had two All-Stars, so there's precedent that they can only have two as well. So it really just comes down to whether Clarkson or Mike Conley have earned it. So unfortunately for Clarkson, 
guys who come off the bench just don't make all-star games. That's not something I had in my data here, but I decided, who can I look at for this? I looked at Manu Ginobili. Manu Ginobili, obviously, all-time great. One of, you know, part of the Spurs dynasty. Only made two all-star games, and neither of them were in season where he came off the bench. Bench guys just don't make all-star games. Yeah, that makes complete sense, I guess. If you, you know, if you'd be an all-star, you'd be starting, I guess. I feel like Kevin McHale might have, but he's like the only person I could think of that might have. Yeah, I'm trying to think. That might be it. Okay. So Conley is interesting it, because in terms of points, he's way, way below average for a Western Conference uh, reserve guard. So the average has been about 24 points per game with a standard deviation of about four. Conley is only averaging 16 and a half. Nowhere near enough. He's also below average in rebounds, a little bit below average in assists, and a little bit below average in blocks. However, in terms of seasons where a guy had two to three other All-Stars in his team, the most apt comparison for Mike Conley is actually Clay Thompson. He obviously made it as the third guy of the Warriors multiple times with below average scoring, rebounding, and passing. However, he was still a lot closer to the mean in terms of scoring than Conley. However, we can now look at Draymond, who was incredibly below average multiple times and yet made it because his team was good enough. However, he was the fourth All-Star, which seems to have different criteria that we just don't have enough data for. And, he, you know, he obviously plays a really, really different role to Mike Conley. So it's not really comparable. Does all that make sense so far? Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm, hold, I'm holding on to you. Let's go. In this case, Conley is a guy who we just don't have enough data for in this set. That is, however, until we go back and look at Jeff Teague. Because Jeff Teague, the Hawks had a worse winning percentage than the Jazz in that season where Jeff Teague was an All-Star. Jeff Teague had pretty similar comparable numbers. He was slightly better at scoring and significantly better at assists, but he was a worse rebounder and obviously a worse defender. The standard for an Eastern Conference reserve player, however, is way less competitive than a Western Conference uh, reserve player. However, we did not have any team that had three All-Stars last season. However... No team had a record as good as the Jazz do currently. However, record isn't everything because the Cavs and Warriors had three All-Stars multiple times with worse records than the Jazz currently have. However, that would indicate that previous season's merits and success will carry over, which would say Conley should not be an All-Star because of their first-round exit last year. However, career records and success can also carry over in cases such as Gobert making an All-Star team last year and Vooch the year before. What all this boils down to is I have no goddamn idea. <laughs> that was perfect for me. Um, I think that's what <laughs> that's been Mike Conley's whole career. It's just a sort of yeah, he should be there, but you can't find any real case to put him over other guys. Um, there's just so much going into this Jazz's to the Jazz's All Stars um, this year. Obviously, everyone points to their record, but then yeah, pointing to stats and everything you just outlined, um, it's pretty much throw your hands up. I put Mike Hudley into my all-star ballot just because I want him there. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot going into it, as you just said. <laughs> okay. Gun to my head, though. If I had to pick based on the data, I would say Mike Codley does deserve to be an all-star this season. Yes. Does deserve. Good. That warms my heart. He probably won't be an all-star. But, I, I, as I said in our episode the other day, he is my first injury replacement for sure. Yep. So yeah, Kawhi's a bit went into that. Nowhere near as much detail for any of these other guys. But yeah, I just had to go that far with Conley. It makes sense that Conley was just that goddamn confusing. 
it does. It's perfect. <laughs> All right. Um, the Nuggets now. So this is actually a pretty simple one. Uh, Michael Boyd Jr. just has no business really even being in this conversation. At the time, he was averaging like 16.5 points per game. Now he's down to 14.5 um, and only six boards. And he's also only played 16 of his team's 26 games, which isn't quite enough. Um, Jamal Murray is a bit closer than you might think, but ultimately the Nuggets record is what holds them back. And I think most people would recognize that. Um, like, like, like I said before, in order to get two All-Stars, with this kind of a winning percentage, one guy kind of just needs to be a starter. It's a lot easier when one guy's a starter for another guy to be reserved. Jokic probably will be a starter, which is why Jamal Murray might be a bit closer than you think he will be. But ultimately, his numbers are just a bit too far below the average to really be in consideration with the Nuggets just being 15 and 11. If they were like, you know, three or four games better, now we're talking. But at this yeah. record, no. Is Murray actually above average in any of his stats for the average? No. Yeah. Because, as I've got here, which has changed a little bit, he's averaging about 19, 4, and 4.5, and which seems pretty much it's right about, down the line. Yeah, it's about the same. It's it's below average, actually, um, especially in terms of scoring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, Murray, not really even close, unfortunately, this season. Okay. Yeah. The Suns. Oh, wait, sorry, were you going to say something? I was going to say, which is a bit disappointing after his playoff performance last year, but anyway. Yeah. The Suns. Okay. So you didn't have Devin Booker here, which is interesting because was he one of your picks? He wasn't, actually. Yeah. What's that? Devin no, I Booker. Had, I, yeah, I you had, had Chris Paul as my All-Star. Yeah. yeah. And I had Devin Booker. Okay. That's that's good here. So you didn't have you didn't actually have Devin Booker as one of your borderline guys. Uh, I think you had him as a lock at the time, but you've... Change your mind, obviously. Uh, but the oh, Suns, I think I've got. I think I had him as one of my borderline guys. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. Um. Either way. Anyway. anyway. Um. The Suns have a winning percentage where they're pretty much guaranteed one All Star, and they're teetering on the verge of two. Like they could get two, but considering the competitive of the West, two is kind of pushing it. So D Book makes it. Um. His numbers are pretty average for a Western backcourt reserve, but his team is good enough to guarantee him. Guarantee of a spot. So 24 and a half points, four rebounds, four assists, one steal. It's it's just average. It's a maybe a little bit below average in terms of rebounds, assists, but compared to Chris Ball, it is average, unlike Chris Ball, who's significantly below average, especially in points. Um, does the um does the former All Stars come into this? Because obviously Chris Ball's got ten and Book's only got the one. We'll get to that. Um Okay. So Aiton doesn't really have much of a shot. Um, you know, nah. he might he might if CP3 wasn't on the team, but he's obviously the third guy on the team, and they are not good enough for three All-Stars. Um, so Chris Paul does satisfy the idea that second All-Stars are good teams need to have been an All-Star before. And that's kind of, that is kind of a trend that we've seen. For, the, you know, this, for a guy to be the second All-Star or like a legitimately good team, he should have been an All-Star before. We've seen that a few times uh, in terms of teams that weren't even particularly good. Uh, you know, we would see like, uh, um, I think Bradley Beal's first selection, uh, we saw it with Carl Larry, DeMar DeRozan a couple of times, I'm pretty sure, that sort of stuff. Um, but his numbers don't jump off the page quite enough to guarantee him a spot. I would say he does deserve a spot, yes, but he won't get one because of how competitive the West is. I think D-Book deserves the first spot, Chris Paul does deserve a second spot, but just because of the West, he doesn't get it. That's interesting. And obviously, we're just going off 
counting stats here, which, you know, sometimes isn't Chris Paul's area. But I wonder if we, you know, had a look at advanced stats, how much Chris Paul would be ahead of a lot of guys, uh, like a lot of averages for reserve guys. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, from from the counting stats, and that's generally what people tend to vote on from what I've gathered. I mean, mm, I didn't yep. look too much into advanced stats, but I don't think they play that big a role. Um, it's not for fan op- voting, I don't think. It, not even that, just like even... Um, I don't even think the media tends to look at advanced stats as much as you'd think. It, it re- especially when it comes okay. to the All-Star game, it's about optics. Um, and I think that's yeah. why Devin Booker kind of gets it over Chris Paul. But Chris Paul does deserve a spot, I will say that for sure. Um, now, the Blazers. CJ McCollum, it's unfortunate, but he just hasn't played enough games. And that's all there is to it, really. He 100% deserves a spot, without question, but he just hasn't played enough games. Uh, he's only played 50% of his team's games. You kind of need to play at least, like, 75 uh, Carlton Towns last year was a good comparison, but because uh, like he didn't make it despite because he didn't play enough games. But yeah, that's that's just the fact of the matter with uh, CJ McCollum, which is a shame. If he had played enough games, where would he rank? Because Portland's at about sixty percent winning percentage. Would that qualify them for two with they, with, uh, you, yeah. with McCollum stats? They you can get two with the sixty winning percentage. You can here. Let me look. Because um, McCollum's at, you know, McCollum since he last played was when he left was averaging twenty seven and five assists with four boards. Like that's well above average in scoring. Yeah, let me just look at this. I'm going to sort my data a bit. So in terms of like teams that have had sixty winning percentages, um, your reserves there, uh, you had, uh, you've had Damian Lillard who averaged pretty similar numbers to what CJ's putting up now. Actually, uh, you had Chris Paul last year. You had Luca. Last year, you had Chris Paul again uh, in 20... Actually, no, Chris Paul missed out in 2017, but he was a snub there. Uh, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Yeah, I mean, he he fits the mold. He does fit the mold, especially in terms of scoring. In fact, he'd probably be a bit above average in terms of guys with that kind of a winning percentage in Western backcourt reserve roles. Yeah, that makes... That sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, he would, he would be a lock. I don't know who he'd be over... That would be an interesting question. But yeah, he 27, 4, and 5 on a winning team is good enough to be the second All-Star for sure. He might catch... Uh, he'd probably take Conley's spot or someone like that. One of the wildcard spots. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, All right, so the Warriors. Uh, you've got Andrew Wiggins here. Andrew Wiggins is a scenario we've seen a fair few times. Good, not great team. Decent, not special stats. Not an all-star. It's just that simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DeRozan is in... DeRozan's an interesting one because he's in a scenario where he's on a team that deserves an all-star, but his numbers don't necessarily jump off the page. So he's actually helped by the fact that he's a front court player this year. Um, so average of about 29 and 4 is what a Western uh, Reserve front court player would have. DeRozan has 25 and 7. So he's obviously well below average in terms of rebounds, but he's well above average in terms of assists. And he's right there in terms of points. I actually think he gets in, like he actually deserves it, because LaMarcus Aldridge got in with pretty similar comparable stats in the past uh, where DeMar DeRozan hasn't. And Marcus Aldridge did something very, very similar in 2017 with a similar winning percentage, you know, decent numbers, but also had no other All-Stars on his team. So DeRozan, in terms of like a spur deserving it, DeRozan gets in by default. Yeah, if if you consider a spur to deserve it, which I do. So the winning percentage helps them here. 
in terms yes. of like a, te- a team with this sort of percentage deserves uh, an all-star, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, hang on, sorry. I've just lost my place here. Um, yeah, so John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies hasn't played enough games. It's that simple. Um, and also yep. his numbers are below average. Like, even if he had played enough games, he still wouldn't be there. Um, his team's fine. Yeah, it's actually got... I was actually kind of shocked how sort of low his stats are, but yeah, definitely. Yeah, 18 and a half points, about two boards, about seven assists. Seven assists is good, but 18 and a half points is just not enough, and two boards definitely isn't enough either. Um, Now, the Rockets. A few weeks ago, see, when I actually wrote this at first, they had an all-star. Like, they absolutely had an all-star because they actually had a good record at the time. They've fallen off a lot since then. So, a few weeks ago, they deserved an all-star. Now, it's up in the air because they're 11 and 16, which is about a 40-win percentage. So, they can get an all-star if they have a player that's playing well above average. Ultimately, it's kind of easy. None of them have actually played enough games, <laughs> honestly. Uh, yeah. Like, that, that's all. That's literally the only thing we actually need to eliminate them. Uh, John Wall has played 17 of his team's 27 games. That's not enough. Christian Wood, 17 of his team's 27. Not enough. Victor Oladipo is borderline. He's played 20 of 27. But his numbers are also still average, which holds him back. Um, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> if, if they had played enough games and, like, they were a decent team, of the three... Actually, you take a guess. Who do you think would be the all-star of the three? Of the three, I'd say Wood. It is Wood, yeah. So 22 yeah. 10. Uh, one, one assist is low, very low actually, but 22 and 10 is well above average. One steal, one and a half blocks is very good. So, yeah, he would just be average, essentially, for an all star, which is enough to get it if his team was actually good. But unfortunately, they are not. Yeah. Um, Now, the Kings. De'Aaron Fox. A losing record paired with a slight, with slightly, ever so slightly below average numbers. It's just keeping him out of there. He's very, very close, but not quite. Like, he would have needed to average maybe, like, another two points and maybe, like, another two rebounds. Then we're talking, but he's just not quite there. Yeah, and I feel like their record was a bit bit better a couple of weeks ago, so that probably would have sure given him like, up to. I'm pretty sure they were 500, like, four days ago, and now they're 12 Yeah. Which is tough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, poor timing by the Kings. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the Pelicans. So, they have a losing record, but both Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are putting up numbers that are good enough to de- to make it despite a losing record. As for which one makes it over the other, they're perfectly comparable, actually. So, the only real distinction to be made is that at lower winning percentages, front court reserves tend to have already made all-star teams. And that's the only reason Brandon Ingram gets it over Zion. Yeah, um, and yeah, I I'd pick Ingram not for that reason, but I I would pick Ingram over Zion. Um, although Zion's been pretty special the last couple of weeks, but just, um, I think that's so so comparable. Like you just they are. can't pick between the two stats. Why Zion Williamson? Williamson? Why can't I say his name? Williamson, averaging about twenty four <laughs> points, seven and a half rebounds, three assists, a steal, a block. Brandon Ingram averaging about twenty four points, five rebounds, five assists, a steal, and a block. So. Yeah. So there's just so little in it. Um and yeah, ultimately that one all star appearance from Brendan Ingram would make the difference. I don't think either of them end up actually making it because of their record, but if one of them were to, it would be Brendan Ingram. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Yeah, so uh, next up is the Thunder, which she gives us Alexander. His numbers are good. They're just, again, much like De'Aaron Fox, a little bit below average. But because of his team's losing record, he just wouldn't quite make it. Like, and games played, it's a bit borderline. Like, he's played 80% of his team's games, which is enough, but it does hurt a little bit. It's crazy that his stats are borderline, like, average. Just, just, like, below average. That's nuts. That's nuts. He's averaging 22, 5, and 5. Like, that's that's just, like, that's crazy. Like, 22, 5, and 5? I thought it was 23, 5, and 7. Oh, is that good? God damn. I think so. Okay, hang on. Yeah, um, 22 and a half, five and a half, six and a half. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let me find that Western Conference uh, backcourt stat again. Uh, reserve, Western Reserve. Back, wait, no, that's the data is wrong. Sorry, my spreadsheet is messing with my data. <laughs> I hate my spreadsheet. Um, <laughs> yeah, so he needs to be averaging about 24.6 rebounds, six assists, one steal. Um, so he's he's like he's pretty much average actually. He is average, but it's the losing record that holds him back. Yep. Um now the final team we're talking about here is the Timberwolves, and it's pretty much the same thing for D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley. Decent, if not slightly below average stats and a losing record, a significantly bad losing record, mind you, means yeah. no all star selection, no question. Um yeah. of the two, if I had to pick I would go Beasley, uh, simply because of games played. He's played 27 to D'Angelo Russell's 20. Um, because their numbers are pretty... They, they complement each other pretty much perfectly. So D'Angelo's putting up 23 and 5. Malik Beasley's putting up 25 and 3. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just sort of threw them in there as a courtesy that I've put, you know... Uh, I put Jeremy Grant in there, who's the 15th seed in the East, so I may as well put them in there if they're the 15th seed in the West. Yeah. Um, there was one other data point that I wanted to share with you that I I thought I had written down somewhere. Um, let's see. Let me find this. It had to do with Bradley Beal. Yeah, actually. No, sorry. Yeah, that was the thing about, like, when a team has, like, a like mid-50s kind of winning percentage, if one guy's a starter, the other guy has to be a reserve if they're going to get two All-Stars. And the main example of that was Bradley Beal, John Wall, and then also... Uh, Carl Larry, Demar Rosen, or Demar Rosen, Carl Larry, in terms of starter versus reserve. Um, yeah. An- another interesting tidbit: the only team to have had like a pretty average or below average uh, winning record, like a fifty-ish winning record, and get two All Stars, like the lowest team, was actually uh, the Pelicans a few years ago, where Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins both made it as starters. Otherwise, one of them probably wouldn't have actually made it. Weirdly. I was going to say, Cousins was a starter that year. I don't remember that. Oh, no, I do remember that, actually, because they were. Because uh, that was... He didn't play in the All-Star game because he went down with an injury, but uh, AD wore Cousins' jersey out there to start the game. I remember that now. Oh, I um, remember that, actually. Um, another thing I was thinking, with Bradley Beal likely being a starter, or almost certainly being a starter, um, this year, despite his 32% winning record or winning percentage rather. Um, what's sort of the, like how many guys make the starting, the starting five with such a terrible record? Cause it was, it was young last year, but I can't think of a lot of guys that have been on such terrible teams that have started. Cause you know, as we saw with Beal not making it last year, if you're on a pretty terrible team, it's unlikely you're going to make it if you're not starting. 
Uh, okay, so the only guys with losing records to have made uh, a starting role were obviously Trey Young, uh, Anthony Davis in 2017, Giannis in 2017. I, it's weird to think the Bucks had a losing record then. Uh, that Kemba is very Walker, stretch. Kemba Walker uh, in 2019, so his last year with the Hornets. Uh, Jimmy Butler in 2017, that would have been with the Bulls. And then LeBron in 2019 with the Lakers. They were just under 500. They were one game under 500. Uh, both that Jimmy Butler and that LeBron team. So yeah, yeah, not does not tend to happen where a guy has a losing record and makes a starting spot. And like you look at those names, other than Kemba Walker and Jimmy Butler, like Anthony Davis, Giannis, LeBron. Yeah, and Kemba Walker was having a pretty like unreal year that year. Um, yeah, 25, four and a half, five and a half assists, uh, one yeah. and a half steals. Yeah, definitely deserved that. Oh, definitely yep. deserved a spot, not necessarily a starting spot, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that, ma- that makes sense then, yeah. All right, anything else got you curious? I was trying to think, I don't know. Do we do we, do we we have, based on the numbers, do we have an all-star team that you think should be put together? No, do because we have... the numbers would say we need, like, uh, three more spots, three or four more spots than we actually have. Right, and okay. I can't do that off the top of my head because I don't remember who our locks are either. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, That's I mean, there's, there's a decent number of, like, here, I'll give you a list of, like, all the borderline guys that I think actually deserve a spot. So, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, uh, Demarcus Sabonis, also Malcolm Brogdon, maybe. So, Malcolm Brogdon and Tobias Harris are, like, double borderline, I guess, in that the borderline <laughs> of the borderline. Yeah. Um, uh, not John Collins, not Clint Capella. None of the Raptors, really. Uh, Julius Randle is a borderline. In fact, he's probably a deserver. Uh, Colin Sexton and Andre Drummond are both kind of borderline of the borderline. Uh, Gordon Hayward is very, very borderline. Uh, Vooch is kind of a borderline of the borderline. Levine is a borderline. Uh, uh, Mike Conley, obviously a borderline there. Uh Chris Paul, to me, is a borderline. I know to you he might not be, and then uh, Devin Booker, to me, is actually a lock, but, you know, for the sake of argument, he's a borderline here. CJ yep. McCollum, unfortunately, his winning percentage means he's not in the conversation, uh, like, at all, but he should be. Uh, yeah. DeMar DeRozan is borderline. Christian Wood, no, but if his winning percentage was better, he'd be borderline. Darren Fox, uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, uh, and Shea gildas are all also kind of borderline guys. Yeah, and they all sound about right. I've even heard a lot of people giving Wood the nod at one of their wild card spots. So yeah, that all sounds that all sounds right. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like a that's more of a feel good, I think, kind of pick. Yeah, those Raptors are hard to pick too. Like, yeah, I mean they're all just so average. <laughs> yeah, right now they're the eighth seed with, but right, only forty four percent winning percentage. Um. It's it's sort of it's tough not seeing, it's hard to see like none of the Raptors making it, but like it does make sense too. Like there's better guys out there. Yeah, actually. So do you want the total picture of what an All Star or a snub looks like? Just in general, the guys that are in consideration for an All Star game year by year statistically. Do you want to know what that yeah. is? Let's do it. Let's hear it. In general, they have been on three previous All-Star teams on average. Uh, they have 0.7 other All-Stars from their team. They generally have a record of 33 and 23. 
So about a 60 win percentage. They have played 51 of their teams, usually 55 to 56 games. Uh, They average about 22.5 points, 7.3 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 1.2 steals, and 0.8 blocks per game. You put up those numbers, you're in the conversation, kind of no matter what you do. Yeah. That sounds, that all sounds about right. That sounds like an all-star. Yep. Like an (laughs) all-star. All right, any other questions, any other things you're curious about? Because I've got all this data and I'm willing to share it. <laughs> Is there anything that you found interesting that you wanted to share? Any sort of weird outliers or anything like that? Other than the Paul Zinkas thing, nothing was a massive outlier. I did throw in uh, D-Wade and Dirk uh, just for a bit of fun, just their final mm. selections there. I did not realize how bad Dirk was that season. <laughs> he was old. He was an old man. Very, very <laughs> old, yeah. 4.7 points per game, 1.7 rebounds per game. Yeah, he was he was looking pretty D-Wade? pretty cut decent actually. 14 4 and 4, yeah. Not bad at all. Like it's nothing, low. Nothing but... crazy. Yeah. Yeah, nothing crazy, but not bad. Was yeah. Marcus Sol an all-star in any since like in our time frame? Let me check. Uh he was because actually in 2017, yeah. What sort of stats did he put up? Cuz I feel like he puts up like overall unremarkable like counting stats, but always seems deserving. 21, 6 and 3. Sorry, 21, 6 and 4. 1 steal, 1.5 blocks, 58 win percentage. Yeah, that just... He put yeah. up 21 points? What the hell? 20.6 points, yeah. Was, wasn't oh, that the God. year that he had, like, legit MVP buzz? I, I swear he finished, like, 5th or 6th in MVP voting. Or I definitely saw him, like, on people's, like, leaderboards up in that kind of range. Wait a minute, Marcus Sol. When did he score? Oh, I guess at the All Star break. That makes more sense. Yeah, yeah. At the uh, break. Okay, that must have dropped a bit. Yeah, it did. Okay, because I was like, I don't remember him averaging twenty one for a season. He's aver- he's actually never averaged twenty for a season, a whole season. So interesting. <laughs> really? Enough. Okay. Yeah, he capped out that season at nineteen and a half. Um, by the end of the season, but uh, okay. yeah, because I just I never think of him as a guy that like puts up big counting stats, but it's like he's always. A deserving all star, mainly because the rebounds aren't there a lot of the time. But yeah, yeah. Um, other interesting little tidbit that here is guard. Okay, it's it's not that crazy when I say it, but guards score a lot more than forwards. Um, mm. Yeah, like uh, snub guards score about twenty two points per game. Reserve forwards score about twenty points per game. So snub guards actually score more than reserve forwards. I guess because the center doesn't score as much. I guess. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the center would drag it down a little bit. Yeah. Mm. And then, yeah, sort of random guys like Draymond and stuff like that. Right. Oh, so one other thing. Uh, it does look peculiar in here as a snub. Uh, one time. <laughs> what did he actually average that season? <laughs> uh, 5.9 points six re- uh, at, at the All-Star break. 5.9 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 0.4 blocks, but his team had an 84 win percentage, so he was legitimately like a borderline snub. <laughs> <laughs> like, mathematically, a snub. <laughs> oh, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Was that, the, was that the 15 16 season? Seven, uh, 16 17. 17. Yeah. Yeah. But that's hilarious. <laughs> So this is the year uh, that All-Star voting changed. Um, so he could yeah. not ever be there. Because <laughs> he made it by the time Returns came in, didn't he? And then they changed it? Like, they vetoed it? No, okay. So the previous year, 
Um, he just barely missed out. He was fourth place the previous year, so he didn't make it. But the following year is when they changed the rules, so it w- so there was no risk of it happening. Oh, and had they but not it was... changed, had they not changed the rules, yeah. he would have made it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That makes more sense. Yeah. Oh man, that's crazy though. <laughs> Shout out Zaza. Zaza Pachulia <laughs> has two rules named after him. He has that, and then obviously the stepping under guys. Yeah, underrated, influential player in the league. <laughs> yeah, not for good reasons, but, you know, underrated. Yeah. yeah. All right. And uh, I was going to say, who, was, who do you think was the worst all-star on the, of this list, but you said Paul Zingas? Yes, Paul Zingas. Other than him, uh, DeAndre Jordan was not... No, no. <laughs> yeah, that is bad. Is that worse than the Paul Zingas one? What was the win percentage of you? 62 and a half, so it's not worse. And he was the only all-star on the team. For some reason, I don't remember Wait, what? why. I think was that, the only- was Blake Griffin injured and Chris Paul had been traded or something like that. Twenty seventeen. Oh my god! No, uh, was that Donnerog? Surely it wasn't twenty seventeen. Sixteen seventeen. Oh no, wait. Yeah, sixteen seventeen. Wow, what the hell? <laughs> wait, okay, I want to look at this closer. Because I want to know who was on the roster that team uh, that year. Yeah, so he was an all star that year. Uh, who was on his team? There was Chris Paul still there. Yes, but I think West was so stacked with guards that he couldn't get it. And then Blake Griffin was there, but was he injured? Uh, he played sixty one games that season. I think he was injured to start that season. Right, DeAndre Jordan was the only all-star for the Clippers. That's crazy. Yeah. And then Chris Paul also only played 61 that season. So I think partially injury, partially, because the West was stacked. But yeah, 12 points, 13.7 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 0.6 steals, 1.7 blocks. Other than the scoring, like, he's there. Like, he definitely deserves it. But mm, fair. It's, we- it's weird. It's real It weird. is weird. <laughs> um other low-scoring All-Stars, you had Al Horford only averaging 13.5 points per game, which is... With the Hawks? With the Hawks, year. other or, yeah. one other All-Star on the team, so Paul Millsap would have made it that year as well. Uh, we obviously had... D- we have D-Wade again, uh, so that, that D-Wade pick. So he's actually above six other guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one of, was- is, one of them is Dirk, one of them is Zaza, and then DeAndre Jordan, Al Horford, and then actually two of them are Draymond. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I think those other guys are probably more deserving, but except yeah. for obviously like the Dirk and Zaza, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, you had Kyle Lowry averaging 14.5 points, 4.5 rebounds, 9 assists. I did not know Kyle Lowry put up 9 assists per game. Uh, but mm. yeah, 72 win percentage, and that was uh, 2019. 2019. So, so that was a quiet year. Yeah. Quiet year, yeah. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So that, that no. was actually that was actually another example of that concept I was talking about before. When a guy makes a starting spot, the other guy's more likely to make it in a reserve spot. Kyle Lowry probably shouldn't have been an all-star that year or wouldn't have been had Kawhi not been a starter. Yeah. It's sort of like a fresh slate sort of thing once he gets a reserves, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Those are probably the worst all-stars. I can tell you who averaged the fewest rebounds. It was Dirk. Followed by Isaiah Thomas, yeah. which actually doesn't surprise me. Um, yeah. <laughs> fewest assists. Dirk, then Chris Tapps. So, maybe I'm not wrong. <laughs> Chris Tapps tied <laughs> yeah. with DeAndre Jordan and Andre Drummond for fewest assists. That, was next uh, t- that next team was bad, though. Like, it was just give the ball to 
Chris Dabbs every single time down the floor. Yeah, yeah, they're like a thirty-nine win percentage, which is is the real reason I hate that. I, I hate that data point. Um, fewer steals, Dirk once again point two, <laughs> but then followed by Lamarcus Aldridge actually twice at point five. Lamarcus Aldridge doesn't get steals. I think yeah, I'd imagine that. <laughs> now let's see. Will Dirk be last in blocks? He is yes. not. Whoa. Isaiah Thomas? 20th worst in blocks. Oh, wow. He's what best was, how many? a lot of... What was he averaging? Well, this is actually 0.3, but... <laughs> <laughs> Worse than him is Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Chris Middleton, Kyrie Irving, DeMar DeRozan, Donovan Mitchell, DeMar DeRozan again, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker. Some of these are snubs, by the way. Uh, that Devin Booker one's a snub. Uh, Goran Dragic, uh, Chris Paul, Chris Paul again, Steph Curry again, Trey Young... Uh, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton twice, and then Isaiah <laughs> Thomas. So, uh, Isaiah Thomas, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry, Trey Young, Steph Curry, uh, and then Chris Paul twice. Uh, average 0.1 blocks per game. I mean, the that only sense. stat that Dirk isn't lasted. Shout out Dirk. Shout out Dirk. <laughs> so, who do you th- who do you think's the biggest snub of the last couple of years? Ooh, okay, that's a good question. Let me sort my data here. Snubs. Uh, mathematically Zaza, but um, <laughs> er- Eric Bledsoe kind of up there. Um, really? 75, those... 75 win percentage, 16 points per game, four and a half rebounds, five and a half assists, one and a half steals. Not quite there in terms of points, but his rebounds and assists are there and the winning percentage is there. It's just the fact that he would have been the third all-star on that team. Yeah. That was recent too. That was... That was, was that last year? 2019. So a year before. Yeah, right. Yep. Uh, other than him, I mean, I, I, I think the obvious answer is Bradley Beal. But, um... Yeah. Dame, probably. Dame did have one of his big snubs in this period of time, 2017. Oh, uh, was it? Oh, wow, that was right. I yeah, mean, his team, his team wasn't good. Only a 41 win percentage, but 26, 5, and 6. Uh, one steal. Yeah, no all-star. Yeah. Is that the... What year was that, sorry? 2017. So, 16-17 season. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Didn't he do... Didn't he go crazy after that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then everyone was like, let's not snub this guy again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think if he did in the playoffs, but maybe not. I don't know if they made the playoffs because they only had a 41 win percentage at the All-Star break. Uh, let me have a look with his playoff stat. What was it 16-17? Yeah. Yeah, they made it, but they got swept in the first round. I think they played the Warriors. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So they vaguely remember that. Uh, Dwight Howard ended up as a snub in one of these years, which is kind of interesting. What year was that? It would have been early on, wasn't it? That is 2018, actually. 17-18 season. 16 points, 12 and a half rebounds, 1 and a half assists. Um, was, was that, that the, the Hornets? I was going to say, is that the Hornets year? I think it is. <laughs> was it 17-18, you say? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Hornets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he put up numbers then. Yeah. Did he have a 30-20 game that year? <laughs> I feel like he might have. I can't know yeah. for sure. He finished the year averaging 16.5, 12.5 rebounds, and 1.6 blocks. Oh, yeah. Also, Paul George last year was a really weird snub. Yeah, right. 22-6-4 in his team was 37-18. I guess Very that strange. just goes to show how competitive the West is, really. 
True. There's probably more snubs out west by your metrics. Oh, actually, that is a good question. Uh, seems like it. Let me sort this. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve from the west, and how many from the east? Uh, ten. So not significantly more. Okay. But I did stretch the east ones a little bit more. Um, right. So there would be a couple more eastern stubs. Like I had... Uh, oh, would you actually have considered Spencer Dinwiddie a stub last year? Because I have him. Uh, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've got that Dwight Howard pick, obviously. I have Zach Levine twice, actually. Which is weird. That is weird. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, Eric Bledsoe. So, yeah, I, st- I stretched the east a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I think the West had much more significant snubs, except, you know, Zaza. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jokic, Dodgic, DeMar DeRozan, Debbie Lillard, Cudley Towns, Devin Booker, uh, DeRozan, uh, Rudy Gobert, Chris Paulzik is last year, actually. Chris Paul and then Paul George. What was Jokic's snub year? Uh, that was 17-18. So yeah, uh, that's the year that Paulzik is... Uh, and Cat both made it, and I was very annoyed that Jokic didn't make it because I was like, he's definitely better than Paul Zingas. Yeah, uh, that is tough, yeah, he averaged seventeen points, ten and a half rebounds, six assists, one steal, one block. You'd think he'd make it with a fifty-five win percentage, but apparently not. <laughs> apparently not. But uh, people haven't come to love Jokic yet like they yeah. do now. The points weren't there. The points weren't there really. Um, yeah. even even the stats men will say he might not have earned it. Yeah. Jeez, he's after the 26th this season. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, I think that should just about do us. I think that's all the data that I want to present. I'm glad I got to present this for a little over an hour because it took well over an hour to put together. <laughs> this was well put together, Amaze. I have to say, this was probably your easiest to follow yet, and it was very good. I, I enjoyed Wait, this. you're saying my uh, easy to follow? <laughs> no, I'm just saying easiest to follow yet. I mean, it was the most <laughs> concise. Some of them, you can sort of you know, there's a lot of numbers to go around at stat stuffers, but I, I very much enjoyed this from Ace. Yeah, this was just a much more simple one. Like, you know, there was I wasn't designing a new formula here. Like, yeah, could I design it? I, like, that's the thing. I couldn't design an all-star formula here. It's like there's just no way because I could just take the averages, but then it ignores all the nuance, which is why we did all the case studies. Yeah. All right. Well, that's another thing to add to next year. We will do this again next year, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> Chuck it into the formula and keep this going. Yep. All right. Uh, is that all you had to say? I think so, Amaze. Thank you very much. All right. If you ever do this episode, please leave us a like on YouTube. Check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating or review. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at StatStuffers. You can follow us... Sorry. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at StatStuffers. You can follow us on Instagram at Stat underscore Stuffers. You can email us at StatStuffers5. And please, please do so. That email is just empty. <laughs> I just get <laughs> I just get sp- I just get spam. <laughs> yeah, send us some questions. <laughs> send us some questions. Uh but other than that, thank you for listening. Peace.